Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The kids' nativity is always so touching because sometimes we forget just what was going on. And that's why I like this Facebook. And if you want to see it again, Karen will put it on our podcast. So you can go on the website and watch it again. But we forget what it was really like, what was really going on. Because we hear the story so many times. And it, often it takes the kids to remind us, doesn't it, how special the story really is. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for the kids. We thank you for the story the story of your son, and just pray that this story would encourage us this morning. If we're here without a relationship with you, it would encourage us to start that relationship. If we're here and our relationship's grown cold, that it would warm our hearts once again, realizing your love for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The, I titled this, Facing the Future with Fear or Faith. Facing our future with fear or faith, because I think that's something we all struggle with, no matter what age we are, whether we're kids or have kids or have great-grandkids. We still, that's something that each one of us has to decide every day, facing our future with fear or faith. And the Christmas story is a great time to talk about this, because this had to be a very scary time. We, we, sometimes we forget just how scary Christmas really is. I was watching, kids were watching one of those Fred videos the other day. You know, the guy who talks like this, the whiny guy, you know, he's, yeah, the funny guy. They think he's hilarious. And, uh, and it, it, he was singing him a song, he had a music video about how scary Christmas is. But he was using Santa, the scary guy with the white beard, you know. And, and the, these reindeer are scary and, and the ghost of Christmas past. And, you know, how, you know, he was like making a joke how scary Christmas. But, but the original Christmas really was a very, very scary time. In fact, let's look at a couple of verses here in Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 31. I think I have it behind me too or you can look in your Bibles. It says in the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said greetings you are highly favored the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. So he says, don't be afraid. Mary was scared. It was scary. You know, first of all, this angel shows up. That's a scary event. Anybody ever seen an angel? (laughs) No, it would shock us, right? And not only that, she's told that the angel gives her some really good news. You're pregnant and you're not married, which in, in that society, it's hard enough now, but in that society, that was like, you know, she could have been stoned, you know, very easily could have been stoned, very, very scary. Then we see in, uh, back to Matthew, I'm going to jump around on, between Matthew and Luke here, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about, Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord 
appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Once again, Mary, don't be afraid. Once again, Joseph, don't be afraid. It's, you know, it's bad enough if, if he had gotten Mary pregnant himself, but he didn't. Uh, it's, he's not even the father, and you can imagine the shame and the fear and, and how... Who's going to believe this story, right? You know, how's he going to explain this? You know, you saw the Facebook, you know, lost 23 friends. I mean, how do you explain that away? It's, it's, that was a very scary thing for him. Then in Luke chapter, bounce back to Luke, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. I bet you never noticed how scary Christmas was, did you? In Luke 2, verses 8 to 11, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Not only do not be afraid, but do not be terrified they were they were terrified you can imagine these shepherds out at night you know wolves and lions around and and what are they doing around their campfire probably telling ghost stories you know that's what you do you know even way back then i'm sure they told their their ghost stories around the fire and it had to be scary and all of a sudden whew, there are ghosts you know everywhere lots of them you know making lots of noise just Try to picture how scary that must have been. I remember when I was um, in college, and I was working with a lot of the kids with my youth group, and and a lot of them used to come and hang out at my house, and they wanted to do a camp out. And I grew up on a farm, and so I had the woods. And I said, okay, guys, we're going to do a camp out. So I took them all down to the woods, had a big group of these you know kids out there, and we were doing a camp out. And we got to telling stories, scary stories. And I told them one of my classics, one of my classics. It was the one about the lady who had her eyes removed and and so she goes from campfire to campfire looking she's drawn to the fire to take people's eyes out at night you know that kind of that kind of some of you may know different versions but but i i could tell it really well and i get done and they're all like <gasps> they're all really scared and i'm like i'm like having fun and just at that time my brother todd who's a couple years younger than me he he was just happened to be coming down to the woods with the dogs and he got there at just that time as i finished the story and and also you hear this something running in the, the leaves you know there's the dogs running through the leaves and and i never there's this big clomp clomp my brother walking in through the branches and stuff through, trying to find our fire and these kids freaked out. I mean, you tell me, I, I've never seen terror like this. Terrified. They, they were screaming, crying, and they ran, and I had driven a truck down the lane. It's about a half mile from the house. They ran and jumped in the truck and locked the doors, and they would not open the door. Like, guys, come out. It's my brother. No, no, no. You know, they were freaking out. They were terrified, crying and crying. And finally, I, I couldn't get them out of the truck. I got in the truck, drove them all the way back to the house, and they went running into the house at 11.30 midnight, whatever it was. And my mom, my mom goes running down, what's going on? They're all crying. They were crying still, crying and screaming. And, and I, I'm pretty good at stories, I guess. But anyway, the, uh, the, my mom says, you are not sleeping in the house. Get these kids out of my house. There's a whole bunch of them all, you know, crying and screaming and making noise. And so they, we all went outside and just laid right next to the house. And they were just laying there, scared. And they go, why'd you tell us that story? Why did you tell us that story? They were so upset. I'm like, I was just joking. It's a dog. It's dying. But they were 
terror. But that's, I, these kids were terrified. But that's what these shepherds were like. Out of the blue, sitting around the fire, probably telling some scary stories. Whoosh, angels everywhere. It had to be, it had to freak them out. Then we look at Luke chapter 2. Uh, back up just a little bit. In Luke chapter 2, did I get the right one? Yeah. Uh, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We've heard it so many times, we forget what this was like. Riding the donkey all the way, you know, through the wilderness. And, and they get there, and uh, you talk about anxiety producing and a, probably a fearful time. First baby, never had a baby before. Riding this donkey, gets to a strange town, no doctor, uh, nowhere to have the baby. Goes out into a barn and, and has a baby out in the barn. It, it, that had to be really, really scary for, for Mary and Joseph. It had to be a terrifying time to be away from family not her family doctor. The whole thing had to be scary. Our first um, child, Ryan, was born in, we were living in Connecticut, and we were supposed to be going to take the kids to Mississippi for a mission trip. And we were supposed to go, and Kim kind of wanted to go, but, you know, it was her first baby, and she was like 11 months pregnant. And the doctor said, just go. You know, the first one's always late, you know. Just go, no problem. Just take a car seat just in case. We had this bus with you know, 40 teenagers, and we're on this, this old Greyhound bus with a million miles on it that the church owned. And, and we, so we go down to the, go down to Mississippi, and I'll never forget, it was July 4th, we're watching the fireworks, and Kim started fireworks, you know, she started feeling it, she's like, I think I'm going to have this baby. I'm like, are you sure? She goes, I think I'm going to have it. So long story short, we go, we bounces from hospital to hospital, because we didn't know anybody down there, our insurance, doctors, they're like, they bounced us around to different hospitals, finally they found a hospital, they're going to let us have this baby, uh, all night long, couldn't reach any grandparents, you know, every, nobody expected this, you know, it was crazy, crazy. It was in Mississippi, which they do things differently there for to have babies. Let me just say, from what they told us in Connecticut and what they did down there was, everything they said, we don't do this anymore, they still did it down in Mississippi, right? It was very, very different. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was very interesting, and, and it was a hard birth, and, but... And finally, Ryan was born in Mississippi. He's our one rebel child, okay? Oh, there we go. All right, sorry. Anyway, these, uh, he, was, he was born in Mississippi. And so that, that was just a small glimpse of what Mary had to go through. Can you imagine having the baby in a barn without a doctor? And, and you know, a barn's a whole other thing. Which reminds me, Kim, before this even happened, Kim did get to, her very first birth she got to see was in a barn. i got to tell the story. And uh, she had never seen, obviously, baby born, but even animals. You guys never had baby births, and she never saw an animal born. I kept saying, you got to see a baby born. you got to see a baby born. And, and every time she'd come visit the farm, there was no babies born. Finally, we were just gotten married. And she was at our house on Christmas, and, and I just wanted to see a baby calf born, you know, and, and I just wanted to see it. And sure enough, my dad came up, and he said, uh, Chuck, 
I need your help. It was like 4 or 5 in the morning. He's like, I need your help. Cow having a calf. I need you to come out. So I said, Kim, it's perfect. And she was just thrilled to be woke up at, you know, you know, if you know Kim, don't, don't wake her up at 5 in the morning, right? And she's like, I'm like, this is going to be really great. It's Christmas morning. You're going to get to see a baby born. This is going to be special. And so she gets out of bed. It's zero, you know, and we go out to the barn and she, she's out there. And it, I probably shouldn't have woke her up. The, uh, it was a, it was a first calf heifer. That means it was a heifer that had never had a calf before, and it was going to be a very difficult birth because it turned out it was a, a bull. And the fir- first baby, you never want to be a boy if you're a cow because it, it's very hard. They are too big for the, and it's difficult, difficult birth. But Kim was already out there, and and here we go. And to have this baby out in the barn, this baby calf on Christmas morning, what I thought was going to be this very special hallmark moment was traumatic, you know, because because. We couldn't get it out, and so it was one of those hard ones. Usually you just put some ropes around the calf's legs and you pull it out, but it didn't work out that way. We had to put the ropes around the calf's legs and then tie it to a pipe and then tie a rope to another pipe in the distance, and then you'd have to walk down the, the rope to create so much tension because we couldn't get this baby out. The, the calf was going to die. The cow was going to die. And, and it's a very... It's a very um, uh, it, it's, it's a very tense time. You ever watch ER or something on TV? It's like that with cows, right? And and it's very tense. And my Kim had never seen my dad quite this excited. My dad's a real joker, laughing, easygoing. But when there's a cow at stake, you know, he gets, he gets you know, it's war, right? So he's like yelling and stuff. And, and she doesn't really know what she's doing. He's like screaming at her and using barn talk and all kinds of things. And, and she's like, who is this man? You know, she's like traumatized. And he's like, try pull the rope. You're doing it wrong. He's screaming at her. All of us. We're, we're used to it. You know, we grew up with him. And, and it's farm. It's cow time. Birth time, so we're, we expect it. But she didn't know who this man was, right? And 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 finally, finally, we get the cow out, calf out. It's dead. It's dead. Because it, it, we knew it was gonna. I knew it was gonna live because it took so long to get out and was walking up and down this rope and pulling it up again. It was dead. And then the cow, to make things worse, the cow was in such trauma that it couldn't stop pushing because it was trying to have kept going. It just kept pushing, pushing, and it's called casting its withers. It's not a pretty sight. It just kept going. And so Kim got to see all of this. <laughs> and we called the vet. The vet came and the vet actually was able to save the mother. Was able to put the insides back in. They cast her withers. Put the insides back in. Sewed them up. Did the whole thing. Kim got to see all this. Right? So, so we go to the house and my mom was like, what happened? And I said, Kim got to, you know, we, Kim got to help us deliver the baby calf for the first time, but she killed it. You know? <laughs> so, so, so she was like, <laughs> So we didn't get to see a miraculous birth, but would you agree with me that it's a miracle that she had 13 children? <laughs> so her first one was the barn. Scary. You won't forget that one. Anyway, Christmas. <clears throat> one more verse. One more verse. Matthew, you can kid her. She still likes to be kidded about that. Uh, Matthew 2. So much for that warm Christmas story, right? I mean, I was like... So much for it. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, one more. Verse 13 says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and with his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod at and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. 
really scary. Have you ever had a nightmare? Pretty much everybody had a nightmare. You ever have one of those really vivid nightmares and you wake up and you're like shaking and oh, it's not true, but it still just shakes you up? Imagine having that nightmare, you wake up and it was true. Someone's going to kill your family. A fire, you ever woke up because of a smoke alarm or, or an accident, you got that phone, that horrible phone call, something bad happened. That's what happened here. These guys got woke up out of, he got woke up out of a sleep with a nightmare, but it was true. It wasn't a nightmare, it was a reality. He had to escape right away, he had to get them right out of there right away. All these events are very, very scary, but God each time said, don't be afraid. Why? Because he had it all under control. God had everything under control. And that's really what Christmas is all about, isn't it? That no matter, that God uses unexpected means to accomplish his purpose. And that's why we can all have hope and we can have peace no matter what we're facing. Even when life doesn't make sense. And a lot of us are living out that, aren't we? We're in situations where life just doesn't make sense. We have pain in our life. We're facing some serious trials and struggles and hurts. But the Christmas promise, really, is that God says, don't be afraid. He's going to, even when things don't make sense. I saw a great picture of that this week. Uh, last week, actually. The, our Christmas tree fell, which I had mentioned last time. Our Christmas tree fell over and crashed. It was like 10 o'clock at night. We're watching TV, Christmas movie, and crash. And, we, and then all these Christmas balls are smashed everywhere. And there's water. And, and it was, it was, uh, it wasn't Christmassy. And it was a big mess. We were up till midnight putting it up. The girls were worried. They thought the cat was under the tree. They were sure the cat knocked it over. All they could do was worry about this cat. I said, forget the cat. My train is under that tree, you know. And my train, I got when I was born, you know. And, and they're like, they were like, you only care about things. You don't care about animals. I go, we can get another cat. You can't get these trains anywhere. You know, we're having this, we're having this big, it got pretty hot. Kim broke it up. Kim broke it up. But, uh, so, finally, Sarah and Becca. And so finally, uh, finally, we're going to tie it back up. We get it all back up, get all the new balls on it, get all kinds of things, get everything cleaned up. And Kim got out fishing line. I said, forget the fishing line. Get me a big rope. You know, we're not using a fishing line. We're not doing this again. So we got this big rope, tied it up. It was kind of, she was ugly. I go, I don't care. We're not doing this again. So we tied it up with this big, ugly rope and, and tied it up really well. Well, the next day was the ladies' Bible study Christmas lunch. And at the Christmas lunch, um, I was in my office and I heard this noise, commotion outside, and I already got Elizabeth's permission to tell this. Uh, Elizabeth, when she was getting up from the table, slipped, tripped, and fell into the tree. Now, she thinks she just brushed the tree. But, Elizabeth, there were two broken branches I had to break, cut off the tree. She didn't just break. That happens. She doesn't realize how hard she hit the tree. And she hit it, and, and she was, and it broke her foul, and she wasn't hurt. Thank you, God. Right? She wasn't hurt. Everything was fine. But we, she got up. She was okay. The tree was okay. I cut a few branches off. No big deal. And, and we didn't, didn't think much of it. But the next day, Yoshi came over to get the bulletin. She folds the bulletins every week and puts stuff some. Thank you, Yoshi. And she said, God showed me something. Why your tree fell? And we're like, why? She goes, because... He knew the neck, he knew Elizabeth was going to slip and needed something to break her fall. And if she, if you hadn't tied up that tree, like you did, it would have fallen over on Elizabeth. 
And it's true, it would have, because it, it was tipping, obviously. It was very shaky, obviously. And, and it would have fallen, and all those glass balls that were shattered everywhere would have been all around her, and the tree would have been on her, probably. And, 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 and Yoshi's like, I, God showed me that God allowed that tree to tip over the night before to protect Elizabeth, so she'd have a soft place to land and, you know, you know hit up against. And we're like, oh. and, and we're like, isn't that the way life is, though? Things that seem like a big mess to us. Something that happens traumatic, big mess, broken, maybe a mess we've made. Anybody out here made a mess lately? (laughs) Maybe a mess we've made of something, and yet God, somehow, God, we see his hand in the midst of it. We see his hand in the midst of that trial. Maybe not even in the trial, but long afterwards we see God's Maybe, maybe sometimes it takes years and years to really see God's purpose, but, but we see God's hand at work, how he did something, accomplished his ultimate purpose, somehow that God brings positives out of negatives, that God works all things together for good for those who love Jesus Christ. That Romans eight twenty eight, a sickness that ends up bringing something good, uh, an unplanned pregnancy that ends up being a, a special pl- a blessing, a rebellious child that God, that God was training for something special. You think of Chuck and Joan and uh, the years that they prayed and how we all prayed. And now, you know, you know Scott was running nightclubs and, and now he's running charity water. And he, Chuck keeps saying, he's, it's awesome pictures. You know, here's Scott's picture in New York City, Times Square. Here's his picture in charity water. And, and all these things that, what did he raise, $2.6 million at, at the Christmas ball last week for charity water. All that was... The training was in New York City as a nightclub promoter and all the other stuff that went with that. God works. He works in ways that we can't even imagine. He takes the messes that we've made and he brings something beautiful out of it. There's many, many stories. I know you guys are all clicking. I, I know God's showing you, reminding you of things that God... I, every week, the prayer team, every week, the prayer team, Elizabeth and I will be going over to listen. It's amazing to see how God works these things for good. Answered prayers and things that, oh, now it makes sense. And we just see it constantly. We see it with our church, how God works. Bringing us through trials. A month ago, we were way behind on budget, Remember? As of today, it looks like we're going to be ahead. We're going to make the budget for this year. At least make it. Remember how far behind we were. The 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 land the um the Philippines, the Philippine group that we we're working with, they had a they found out that a group had put a was going to take their property away. The group that we helped build the church in the Philippines with Mark and Vanessa, they were going to lose their land. A lot of us have been praying about that. That they were going to lose their land. They needed to come up with sixteen thousand dollars, which to us doesn't sound too bad, but to them that's like saying a million dollars in the Philippines. And yet, out of the blue, God moved in somebody's heart to give an anonymous gift, sent it just through the church, to, to pay for the, the whole amount. And these got the letters back from Mark and Van, the emails. They are just so excited. How God would use somebody around the world to meet a need there in, in a very, very difficult place where they're facing constant persecution and pre- pressures. The Shields, getting ready to go to the Philippines. Then, like, God, what are you going to do? How is it going to happen? How is this going to work out? And, and Bill and Russ have been talking to me. Hey, we really need these guys over here this summer. And very, very positive about it. Big challenge. But, wow, all of a sudden this last week, the doors are opening everywhere with churches and individuals and all kinds of things. We just don't know how God is going to work 
We just don't know what he's going to do. How he's going to use each one of us in some way, in a very difficult situation. How he's going to use us. And the whole key, and I think this is the key, the Christmas story. And I wrote this down months ago to remind me, facing our future. Facing my future. Tomorrow. Will I face it with fear or faith? Whether I have cancer, whether one of my kids has jumped off a cliff, whether, whether I don't know if my job is going to be here tomorrow, whether my marriage is falling apart. You fill in the blanks. Are we going to face this with fear or faith? And it's normal to be afraid, isn't it? Look at all the people in the Christmas story. They were scared, every one of them. That's why God kept saying, don't be afraid. Angels, don't be afraid. Why? Because they were f- afraid. We're always going to have fear. But the c- question is, can we work through that fear and get to faith? Because we can only have peace and hope in the scary times that we're facing with faith. That's the only way that, that this life is going to make sense. It's the only way we're going to get through the, the hard times with, with our, uh, that we're going through is if we have that faith. And I tell people all the time, because I, you know, as people are going through trials, and we all go through trials, I, I always say, just as an encouragement, the only thing worse than going through the trial that you or I are going through is going through this trial without Jesus Christ. The trial's terrible. It's horrible. It's not going to change. But the only thing worse than going through that is going through it alone without Jesus Christ. Because we may not know the what. We don't know the what. What's going to happen. But we know the who. Who will be with me? Through this trial. That's what Christmas is all about. John 1.14. The word. That's Jesus. The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who has come from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Jesus became flesh and lived among us. That's what the Christmas story is all about. That the son of God became human and lived with us. It's, it's what it's all about. And not only then, but now when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. He was there physically, but then he ascended. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus comes and lives inside of us. The Spirit of Christ actually lives inside of us. With us. In us. Through us. That's the promise we still have today. Do you have that relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe you're saying you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, but he wants a relationship with you. That, that, and you can have that relationship by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Just back up two verses from 114, 112. It says, but it, it says, Yet all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you ever received Jesus Christ? Have you ever believed on his name? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Every one of us have a, a broken relationship with God because of the sin, because of our rebellion, because of the garbage in our life. But God wanted a relationship with us so bad that he sent his one and only Son to die on the cross. And to come back alive after three days to prove he was the son of God. That if we will believe in him, if we will receive him, we can have a relationship with God as our father. Not as our judge, not something we have to be afraid of anymore, but someone that it's our loving father. He wants that with us. Do you have that relationship with Jesus? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, 
want to encourage each one of us to just spend some time talking to God. Heart to heart, mind to mind. Maybe here today and you realize that you don't have a relationship with God as your father. But you realize now that God wants that with you. He wants a loving relationship with you. He wants it so bad that he sent his only son to live and to die on this earth for us. To take our punishment, to take our crime, to take the penalty upon himself so that we could become children of God if we receive Jesus, if we believe on him. Will you receive that Christmas gift this morning? Right where you're sitting. Just pray to God and just say in your heart to him, God, I want you to be my father. I want to receive Jesus. I believe he was your son. I put my faith in his forgiveness of all the sin I've ever committed or ever will commit. I I repent of that and ask for your forgiveness. I give my life to Jesus Christ. If you've prayed that prayer to God, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a good friend here that you came with or tell me on the way out or fill out the card and stick it in a box on the way out or email, call, let somebody know just so we could be excited for you because it's so exciting and it'll be able to encourage you. But I also want to encourage you to make a reminder. Maybe you've gotten one of the Bibles today. Take it home with you and write in the front, Christmas 2011, I put my faith in Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Come up with a way to remember this, this Christmas and the decision you made. Some way to remember. For those who have already put their faith in Christ, how is God speaking to us about our future, the next five minutes, the next hour, the rest of this day, tomorrow, Christmas Day, New Year's Day? What are we facing? What are we anxious about? What are we fearful about with our future? What are we grieving over? What are we dreading to face? What are we hoping we don't have to face? Will we face it with fear or faith? Just say, God, I'm going to take your hand and hold on to your hand and ask you to bring me through this because I don't know what I'm facing but I know who is going to be holding my hand it's you God and I want to encourage you to make a reminder somehow maybe a Christmas ornament hanging on the tree maybe something where you could look at it every day just a little motto like facing my future with fear or faith to help you remember to make that decision. Remind us every day to make that decision. Fear or faith. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue what you're starting through your word this morning, that you would continue to speak to us, to our hearts, to our minds.
I pray that this Christmas time would be the start of a life of faith for us. Whatever we're going through, you would bring us through it. Not just surviving it, but being transformed by what we're going through because of you, Father. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.